Hello and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. We have a jam-packed, stuffing-packed, cranberry sauce-packed Thanksgiving special for you today. We've got a mystery movie review. That's right, it's a mystery review. You will have to wait until the time comes to figure out what we're reviewing. But I will just give you a little hint. It is it is a little bit thanksgiving kind of, I think. Um, we will also get you all caught up in what's popping, and we will wrap up the show with a very contentious bracket of Thanksgiving sides. We got a lot to get to, so let's do it. Thank you for joining us on the Thanksgiving special of Popcorn for Breakfast with your co-host, Kirk. Hello, hello. I am your other co-host, Cam. It has been, we have had the longest layover that we've ever had in between episodes since the start of this podcast. Four weeks. Four weeks. And let me just, I'll just do a little story time on why that happened. So, first of all, there are no movies in the world. The like we all know this. It's like slim pickings galore, and I wasn't about to watch Money Plane. That was not ha- Kirk. Have you heard of Money Plane? I've not heard of it, but it sounds disgusting. Oh, oh, oh man, we okay. Maybe we should watch Money Plane because <laughs> it. I think it's supposed to be pretty terrible, like Sharknado terrible, like well, so on, so bad. On. You can't just tease that. What? Give us a little snippet. What's Money Plane about? Well, it's about there's money on a plane. <laughs> it's kind of like snakes on a plane. Like it tells you <laughs> all about it. They even say like money plane at one point in the movie. Um, Kelsey Grammer is in it. He's like the only person that I know who's who's in that movie. And, oh, Denise Richards. Oh, Denise Richards is in it. Surprise! I didn't know that. Wow, that is surprising. What, Joey this Lawrence, movie is Matthew Lawrence. Hold on, hold oh, on. Oh, the Lawrence brothers. I'm in. I'm all, I'm all in. Yeah, I only saw the trailer, and I was like, wow, that looks just absolutely terrible. Um, but, you know, whenever there's money on a plane, uh, antics can ensue. You know, whenever there's lots of money on a plane, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, where can I watch this thing? I think you have to purchase it. I think it's, I think it's like one of those um, prime video cinema things. It's probably like 20 bucks. <laughs> anyway, we'll look into that. Maybe, so maybe we will watch Money Plane, all right? That was, I was a little bit presumptuous there. But besides Money Plane, there are like no movies right now. So we were going to wait for Mank, and I got confused thinking that Mank came out on November 13th mm-hmm. on Netflix. It actually doesn't come out till December 4th. So got bamboozled there. Then we tried to do a makeup episode, scheduling conflict. Here we are, a month later. Yes, we're here. yes. But that's okay. I am as bored as that story takes yes. place because it's so annoying. It's so annoying. There's so many dumb things. It should be simple as the world is still kind of basically shut down, but I'm super glad to be here today. Yeah. And I that. also feel like this is the, I think we have reached the peak boredom period of the pandemic. Yes. I think, I think it is actually 
Like I've been bored throughout the pandemic, but I actually think my boredom is at its highest level now. Right. Right, right, right. Because so like normally we have all of these kind of mediocre films and TV shows that are yeah. going straight to uh, straight to Netflix, straight to Prime and everything. And they would be much stronger contenders in this in the entertainment world if we had the big blockbusters on the True. screen. And we just don't have that many of them. So it's yeah. uh, trying to find and something we, to watch. And we've like hit the point now where like we've dried up all of the content that was made pre-COVID. And so now there's like there's nothing left. And like right. everything that is coming out is like still in production or like is shelved for the foreseeable future because of COVID. So it's like there's just nothing. And like there's like no sports. There's just football which is only like once a week and yeah, it's just terrible. And also like the movie news has slowed down. There's like no news. I mean, social media has been so hard lately because we just like, there's no stories at all. Yeah. It's just, it's a wasteland out there. Everybody. Yeah. And, like uh, the pink Panther reboot. Well, like I posted about that. If it was this time last year, that would never have cleared. That would never be posted. Yeah. What, what word did you post with it? finally it was like <laughs> finally this is what we've been asking for the sonic the hedgehog director to to bring back the pink panther like we've never seen him before i've imagined you when you saw that news uh curled up on your couch and triumphantly standing and throwing off whatever food you had and screaming yeah <laughs> terrifying my wife like what yes. like oh the pink panther is finally coming back it's about time and she takes the kids uh, and runs, and runs away yeah. as fast as possible. I was so offended by that being a story that I didn't even include it in What's Poppin' because I didn't want to mention it, but here we are. I mentioned it. Mm, yeah, just snuck in there like like a pink it's panther a, would. Yeah, it's a crime against humanity. Um, so, yeah, peak boredom right now, peak boredom. But here's what I will say. I, um, I'm in a book club with my friends. We just started it. It's like we read self-help books. Wow. So I'm just a nightmare to be around for my for my wife right now. Just like a total nightmare. I just walk around and I'm like, listen, Jackie, you just said like, oh, we have to make dinner. That's thinking with a scarcity mindset. You need to flip that and, and think uh, of that with an abundance mindset. Like we oh. get to make dinner. We get to eat food. And she's like, oh, my gosh, please stop. <laughs> 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 and i read this book one of the self-help books i read was about like building habits and <laughs> like building good habits and breaking bad habits um which all these books have been helpful i will just say like i'm i'm doing well but <laughs> it's got to be just insanely annoying because one of the things that the the habits book told me to do was to learn my tendencies by saying them out loud so i've literally like for a couple days was walking around the house like Go to the bathroom, brush your teeth, take a shower, <laughs> like <laughs> saying what I was doing out loud like an insane person. Cameron, so that's where we're at. I think we're stumbling upon the next greatest movie script, just like a self Oh, really? Yeah, could be. Could be. I love I've had this. a few movie ideas. I've had a few movie ideas while in quarantine. Yes. Yes. Have you written them down to make sure they don't run away from you? No, of course not. No, okay. of course not. They they will fly out of my head and they will be gone forever. And somebody will make that movie and I will be like, oh, yeah, that was you're, me. 
you're immediately going against your um, self-spoken tendencies of your habits. So you should exactly. be able to just speak your thoughts as soon as they come into your mind. So, um, I mean, if I was grading you, this would be rough. This would be rough. Game, yeah, so. I know. It's early. It's early, Kirk. You got to give me time. You got to give me time to learn. You know, I'm still growing. Uh, we'll see. Um, and I, I just think, like, as far as movie concepts go, I still haven't written the crisis papers yet, which is a movie that I've mentioned on this podcast before. And I I don't feel like it would be fair to that amazing, like sure to be Oscar award winning project to write another movie before I write that one in in all of its entirety. The crisis papers are my favorite thing. Yeah. Um, So just to recap, for those of you who are maybe new to the program, let's talk about the crisis papers. This is a movie concept that I had. So Kirk and I, we have background in the hotel industry. Yes. And in the hotel industry and really anywhere, I would assume there are like contingency plans if stuff goes crazy. So one day when I was bored at the hotel with Kirk, I found this folder called the, it's literally set on a <laughs> crisis papers. And I was like, wow, that's a baller. That is a baller movie name. That would be an incredible movie. And everything in there was like, earthquake what to do tsunami what to do like tornado what to do and so i had this idea of like almost like a night at the museum type movie only much better where like this bored hotel clerk finds the crisis papers and begins reading them or it's actually kind of like jumanji yes actually yep as as he reads them they they start to unfold around mm-hmm. him. So like he reads the earthquake part, earthquake starts happening. He has to use the crisis papers to survive the earthquake. I just I feel like it could be good. I feel like it could be a franchise. I don't know. Oh my goodness! Well, because then the crisis papers would you would attempt to destroy them, and yes. you would think that they sur- they didn't survive the fire, but they did. And some some crazy mad scientists scooped them up and took them away, and they just travel around the world. It, it's perfect. It's I know it's really it could fantastic. go. I mean, we're talking. I mean, what do you think, Kirk? Five, six, seven movies, easy. Oh, if if Fast and the Furious is on like film nineteen going to space, crisis papers can have thirty right? of these bad boys easily easily it's the it's the next mcu yes it's gonna be huge so anyway i just don't feel like i can start on any of these other movies until that masterpiece my magnum opus is documented and kirk you and i are gonna write it together and we might even star in it i don't know we might have to oh we have to we absolutely have to it's ambitious but i think we could be the first duo ever to write direct and star in an Academy Award-winning Best Picture film. Mm-hmm. I don't know. The very first. That's right. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. I mean, with that iron in the fire, I feel pretty good about our prospects. I mean, I just really think we're on the right track. So anywho, <laughs> I'm in the book club, and I'm a nightmare because I just, I'm just i a psychopath. I talk about things out loud. I scold my wife for using scarcity mindset versus abundance mind. It's just it's insane. Yeah. Yeah. Um, also, since we talked last, this is crazy. The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian is here, Kirk. Mm-hmm. It sure is. I know. I know. It's it's nuts. And um, have you gotten to check it out? I have. It, it really snuck up on me, honestly. Like, when it dropped, I was like, oh. Yeah. It's here? Oh, yeah. That's the no. thing. There was no fanfare. Not really. Uh, no, there I, wasn't. It's true. I just expected there to be more. There was probably less fanfare because there's nothing. Well, there's like no live sports. I imagine that Mandalorian would have been plastered 
all over live sports. And that's true. The marketing just wasn't there because no one has much money to do that right now. So I'm a well, yeah. And like, who's episodes. watching live TV right now? No chance. No one. No chance. So yeah, I'm I'm a couple episodes in. I am behind. I will say that. So um, don't spoil it for me. Not that we would. I will not. Never. Fans. I am vowed However, to secrecy. I think you got spoiled on the very first episode. I did. I did by my nephew. <laughs> my yeah, my nephew Beckett came over, and he was like, "Hey, Uncle Cam, have you seen the Mandalorian yet?" And I was like, "Oh, episode one." I was like, "No, I tried to start it, but it was." Disney Plus was glitching that first day that it came out. It drove me nuts. I was like sure. about to lose my mind. But anyway, I couldn't get all the way through it because it was glitching. And he's like, oh, did you see the part where <laughs> he like let up this huge spoiler? I'm like, yeah, no. I, I mean, I told you I didn't finish the episode, and I assume that that's like the big thing that happens. So, no, I didn't see it. <laughs> so, it was pretty funny. He's, he's, uh, he's nine. So, I mean, it's it was... Uh, it was it was pretty funny. Yes. Is he, he will he will be ten. Almost ten. Yeah. Wow. You gotta love how wow. kids get so excited about the secrecy and the the twists at that age. Uh, you know, not nine and twelve. You know, his older brother. It, it's so it's so fantastic. They're like, dude, this is they they, just, they have no impulse control. They have to let it out, even if they don't want to spoil it for you. It just rolls out. Well, yeah, and and this is like one of his like one of his first chances to really level with me and because like he's watching a show that I'm watching. Right. Which is like for someone his age is like, this is a new thing for him. Like to be able to watch like adult centric shows. And so he just could not help it. He was like, I got, I, he was like, well, I got to tell you, I have to tell you because it's amazing. (laughs) And it it didn't end up really ruining anything. It was just kind of funny. Right. Right. Yeah. But, um, what's your vibe on the Mandalorian so far? Um, I know you said you're a couple episodes behind, but what do you, what's your take on the show quality, the trajectory? What are you feeling? I tell you what, man. I watch a lot of shows on my iPad. Um, okay. Shows and movies on my iPad because I stay up way too late, and uh, I go to bed uh, with my wife, and she she falls asleep promptly at like ten thirty, and I'm like, no, no, I, I need to stay awake until at least two to consume all the entertainment. And I put the iPad on my chest like so, and I watch my my little my shows and my stories. But your programs, my your programs, programs. Uh, <laughs> my soaps. <laughs> I watch my soaps. But what I what I accidentally did the other day was I was kind of my neck kind of hurt, so I turned it on the TV. Man, is it way better to watch The Mandalorian on a full giant screen TV? So yeah, man. I will say that I wasn't enjoying the first episode of season two and I threw it up on the big screen and I was like, oh, oh, this is way better because especially episode uh, season two, episode one, it's definitely a spectacle episode. Um, yes. And the story high production really, value. Yeah. And the story really kicks in um, in episode two. Dude, mm-hmm. it's great. It's fantastic. Uh, Edgar Wright epi- uh, directs one of the episodes, which he was the director yeah, of he's, Ant-Man. He's or no, not Edgar Wright. Um, no, whoops. What's his name? Uh, <laughs> oh, what's his name? Who's the uh, Peyton Reed? Peyton Reed. Sorry, had the wrong Ant Man director there. No, that's all right. Uh, Peyton Reed. Yeah, Peyton Reed directs it. Stellar, absolutely stellar. And I'm about to. 
I just started the first few minutes. Bryce Dallas Howard directs an episode, and it's already off to a good start. So I'm in. The, I'm right in the meat of of the of the liftoff of of this season, and I'm super excited. Yeah, I think it's. I share your beliefs. I think it's been really good. I think in general, production value is really high, which I love. It's it's looked great. I think all of the different directors have done a really good job and had a different feel without it feeling like clunky. And I feel like it just feels like a little bit more mature of a show, which is natural. But I was honestly like, I liked season one a lot, but I still felt like it was like they were holding back a little bit. Like they were playing it really safe, really safe, which is fair at times. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. There were like, so many of those side episodes that really felt like wasted filler. And now like we still get those side missions because any good show will really have that. Um, But they just, they feel more intentional and with more purpose now. And like, we're not just getting them just to kill time. It's like, we're actually getting character development. So Mm -hmm. that's kind of nice. And like that stuff is coming up like later on in the season. It just, overall feels like a much more mature show which makes me feel better because i was like man i hope disney doesn't just like play this way too safe and get comfortable with it because that i think sometimes is it's dangerous and i get why they tread lightly with star wars but i really think that john favreau and dave filoni you know the guys who are doing the really good Star Wars stuff right now. They have something figured out here and they should just let them roll with it because it's good. It's just really good. So Indeed. Um, pretty excited because the next episode of The Mandalorian is titled The Jedi. Um, <sighs> that drops, drops this week. It's titled The Jedi. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Wow. Yeah. So we'll see. Hopefully that's not just like a huge tease because I've like, I, I earmarked that as soon as I saw it and I was like, this better be awesome. So we'll see what happens. Might be getting a Rosario Dawson sighting. I think maybe, um, so that's the Mandalorian. We'll keep you guys updated on that. We're definitely down to chat about it. If you guys want to hit us up on social, we, we love to talk about it. It's a, it's a great show. It's very much like the only thing going right now. Um, the only thing except The Queen's Gambit ah. on Netflix. Kirk, have you heard about this? This is um, New York's hottest new club, <laughs> the, Queen's, the Queen's Gambit. New York's hottest club is The Queen's <laughs> Gambit. Yeah. It's got everything. It, it's got everything. Knights, rooks. <laughs> it's 17th but seriously. <laughs> um, Anya Taylor-Joy is in this. She's the star of the show. Netflix announced yesterday that this series has was viewed by 62 million people in its first sorry I want to get this right what was it first two weeks or first 30 days or something like that yeah which is a record for a limited series so that's really impressive because they've had some really good shows over the years and mm-hmm. uh, 62 million people is nothing to sneeze at so that's that's a huge deal. Um, but have you gotten a chance to check it out yet? No. Okay. Well, you must. Like, I seriously, know. stamp of approval, it's it's very good. I know. Um, 
And it's a limited series, and I like that. I, I think it's my favorite medium, man. I think a limited series is just right in that sweet spot between movie and TV show where you get, like, the satisfaction of, like, a slow burn that you sometimes don't get in movies, but you also don't get it to where, like, you have seven seasons and 50% of the episodes are filler. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like... It's really right in that sweet spot. Like, I watched Godless. I mentioned that on the podcast last Mm -hmm. time. And it was perfect. It was, like, eight episodes, really concise. It was long enough. It was, like, as long as it needed to be to tell the story, but no no longer. You know? It was, like, right in that, like, perfect spot. Concise. Yeah. Yeah. Perfectly concise. So that's what I like about the Queen's Gambit. Anya Taylor-Joy apparently said that she's, like, down for another season and i'm like no please don't please don't ruin it like we got a nice concise show like please let us have this and please let it just stay good Mm -hmm. yep don't ruin it don't ruin it guys so for those of you who have not (laughs) checked out the queen's gambit i definitely recommend it we're not going to review it because it's a tv show and we don't do that yet but um yeah i'd put it on your list if you're as bored as I am right now, because I am super <laughs> bored. All right. You want to jump into What's Popping, Kirk? We've not got much going on. Let's do it. Let's go. We've not got much, but, but, Kirk. But. We've got some big whoppers, okay? So it's quality, not quantity this week. That's, mm. that's the name of the game. First big news story that came out over the last few weeks is that a decision has finally been reached on Wonder Woman 1984. It had been pushed back. They were trying to figure out what to do. It was originally supposed to come out July 4th weekend, got pushed back to November, then got pushed back to December, and then it got pushed back to 2021, and we were like, what is going on? And finally, we get a break because Wonder Woman 1984 is going to release both in theaters and on HBO Max on Christmas Day. Huge. That's huge. Yeah, this is huge. It it is huge. And I think it's huge for a lot of reasons. I was, I'll speak personally, I was floored by this. I just never thought, I mean, this is an easy billion dollar movie here. Um. So putting it on HBO Max with no extra cost, right, Kirk? There was nothing said about extra cost, right? Nope. It is just going on the platform. Dunzo, you got a subscription, you're watching it. I think that's crazy, man. And I I know that HBO Max is a new platform, so maybe they're, like, trying to get subscribers to come to it still, and that's, like, enough incentive for them to bring it. But I feel very happy with this decision, and... As an HBO Max subscriber, I am so thankful that they decided to to give this to us because it just feels like we're finally going to get another blockbuster movie, you know, except for just Tenet this year, and we can, you know, see one of these big superhero movies that has been very anticipated. Definitely. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, we know that the real winner of the Chris Wars, Chris Pine, is going oh. to shine. <laughs> The real winner. I love the that. The real winner, Chris, Christopher Pine. Uh, and, of course, Gal Gadot. Gadot. Gadoodle. I think it's Gadot. I'll never understand her name, but she's great. I thought it was Gadot for the longest time. Like, silent T, but I don't think so. 
Because I think she's I, I think she's from Israel or something like that. Yeah, uh, Gal the Goat. We'll call her. No, that's Gal, that's, Gal that's the Goat. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. She might uh, be the goat someday. You know what? Not. I'm just gonna call her Gal. Gal from now on. You know, Gal. She's just uh, she's the best Gal, and there's yeah. no other Gal like her. And this this is groundbreaking because how many others are gonna follow suit uh, that were pushed off and ready to roll? Like, do you on, think Black others Widow. will? Do you think on, others Widow. will? No time to die. I'm ready for you. I'm ready. Man. So no time to die. Oh man. Actually pain. So much pain. Because no time to die was supposed to come out tomorrow. Wednesday, November twenty fifth. We had it marked on our calendars, Kirk, since the day that it was announced. I got the alert today and just died inside. I just died. I was like, this is I I, I am so sad. Yeah, and to get I, that alert this morning, I was just like, I might as well just pack it up. It's over that's it. for me. Yeah, I uh, I've been working my way through the Bond films. I was getting yes. ready. I was like, it's coming, it's coming, and then I was like, no, it's not. The date got changed, you know. So again, Sean Connery's reprise, and it's just oh, it's rest just in peace. A, rest in peace, indeed. It's just a Man. sad day all around. Uh, I hope you have some good news coming up next because I'm getting pretty somber here. Yeah, I mean, the Wonder Woman stuff was good news. I just like Bond. We're not getting Bond on streaming. It's just not happening. Like they tried to make that deal work and it didn't. Maybe they'll come back to the table if if something happens. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Disney Plus has stuck their foot firmly in the ground and said no on Black Widow. We are waiting until May, which I'm like... I get it. Like, you want your dollars. And the vaccine news is promising, which is good. The vaccine mm-hmm. news is very promising. It seems yep. like seems like um, vaccines will start rolling out soon, and even to people who are not in the high-risk category can start getting it, like, in the spring-ish time, which would be good. So maybe we will get to see Black Widow in theaters like normal people again. That would be great. And so I would, I'll be happy when that happens. But for right now, I just want it, and I'm sad. I still think that they could turn off the trial period on all streaming services and say, "You want to watch this movie? Pay a month, and then you have that automatic month revenue." I feel like like that's fair. Yeah, I like that. I like that. You can even actually. Yeah, you can even bump it by like two dollars for the month. Month that 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 your big movie premieres, not go crazy like the thirty dollar Mulan experiment, but just like a few dollars, and then go back to regular, and then maybe four or five months down the line, then you turn um, what do you call it subscription trials back on. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But yeah, I can dig that. They're not listening to this podcast yet, and they're uh, not, and they should be because we have all yeah we have the best ideas on here, and we should just you know Bob Chappick said that. He's the CEO of Disney, by the way. Sorry. Um, he said that he was very pleased with the performance of Mulan on Premier Access, but didn't share any hard figures on how it performed. So that tells me it sucked. I think he's a liar. Absolutely. I'm calling you, calling you on your bluff, Bob Chappick. I don't want to hear it. You're a liar and a cheat. And <laughs> you should just do what Kirk said and allow people to pay one month for, this, for, for Black Widow. And they'll probably stay. You know what I mean? Because the Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. I mean, 
Disney Plus already has 160 million subscribers or something like that. It's outrageous. So, like, they're doing fine. Just throw us a bone. We're so bored. We're so sad. Just give us something for once, Disney. Please. Please. Okay. Speaking of Disney giving us something that we want, you ready for this, Kirk? Yes, please. Deadpool 3 is happening. Deadpool 3 is happening, which will mark Deadpool's long-anticipated entrance into the MCU. Maybe because he's, you know, he's a mutant and he's like heavily tied in with the X-Men in the comics. Maybe this is a way to bring some of those guys in. I'm pretty excited about that. Um, the anticipation is that it will be R-rated. And I think that that's huge. I think it has to be. I think it absolutely has to be R-rated. I think I'm interested to see what Disney will do. But, you know, they don't have to put their branding on the movie. They don't with the Marvel movies. They just put the Marvel Studios branding on there. Sure. And so they don't have to be like, Disney's Deadpool. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, they they can just call it Marvel Studios and, like, it'll be chill. And what I'm really excited about, too, is the Molyneux sisters who write Bob's Burgers are pinning the script for this movie. Oh, cool. Very nice. Yeah, I think it's going to be good. It's always good to get new writers in these franchises because they bring new ideas and new flavor, and those ladies are absolutely hilarious. Um, Bob's Burgers is absolutely hilarious. So this is good news all around. I'm very excited to see what they do with Deadpool because I think it will be interesting. This is a big moment for them because uh, it was it was not up until what was that like two thousand two two thousand three the first Disney PG thirteen movie was Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, wow, and, that's crazy to think about. Yeah, and so knowing that, how cool would it be? And kind of appropriate, you know, twenty twenty. It's uh, we could get an R rated movie from <laughs> Disney, no big deal. And just as you said, just don't throw Disney at the front of it. Everyone will know that it's theirs, but you don't have to be like, gee, this is going to be like, a, it's not a kid. Yeah, you don't have to put the mouse ears on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Although, you don't have to. I feel like there's there can be a lot of mouse jokes within the movie playfully oh, somewhere. Oh, 100%. Right? In fact, if there's not, I'll be disappointed. And I'm sure <laughs> that like, I'm sure that the Disney suits will hate that but they can just ryan reynolds can just stick his foot in the ground and be like no like these jokes stay because that's what we do i I hope that that happens because that would be so great and i'm so excited to see like deadpool at one point um i can't remember who said it but it was during comic-con i think in 2018 when somebody said that following deadpool 2 deadpool was almost as valuable a property to marvel as Spider-Man, just as like a commercial property. So I feel like knowing that and knowing the kind of revenue potential that this movie could have, they're not going to waste their shot. Like they're not just going to give us some episodic, like stand in place, tread water type of sequel. I think they're going to give us something big and I hope they introduce some characters and just go all out. They will. They will. I believe in them. It'll be exciting. Um, let's stay on the MCU side because there were some there was some news here that I thought was pretty interesting. Kind of dropped a little bit quietly, um, like they just like threw it into a Hollywood Reporter article. It was like Black Panther two is set to begin filming in July, um, which was which is exciting news. Obviously, bittersweet news given the circumstances around Black Panther two, um, and 
not having Chadwick Boseman around to play T'Challa and whatever, like that's going to be strange. And I, so I was a little bit surprised to hear that like filming on that movie is happening so soon. Like I'm kind of surprised that Marvel studios didn't take a step back um, and like reevaluate, but they have a plan, I suppose. And I believe well, I would expect that plan to heavily involve Letitia Wright's character, Shuri. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of the speculation right now. Maybe she will even become the Black Panther. We'll sort of see. But um, that movie is starting filming. And then here's a really interesting nugget. So Thor, Love, and Thunder, the cast for that is growing. It was reported early last week that Chris Pratt is joining the cast as Star-Lord, which given the way things ended with Endgame, probably means all of the Guardians are involved in some capacity. And then in that same report about Black Panther 2, they said that Thor Love and Thunder will have, quote, an Avengers 5 feel, unquote, with a large cast. So who else do you think they're going to bring in the fold for Thor Love and Thunder? Like, do you think it will be as big as Civil War? It has to be. It has to be. Because at this point in the MCU's career, you can't you can't do origin movies as frequently uh, because yes. you have your whole ensemble that they've so perfectly interwoven and in throughout throughout all of the the fabric of of this story. So I I definitely see another civil war situation going on here with with Thor, which is great because who else are you gonna do it with? You it was done through Captain America through Captain America's story right. over and over and over again. So picking Thor, it's the perfect decision. Yeah, he's really the sort of the elder statesman. You know, he's the, he's the yep. one that stuck around. I think somewhat surprisingly, I mean, I, I I personally kind of expected Chris Hemsworth to exit with the rest of them following Endgame, but he's around. I'm thrilled about it because I thought, I really think Thor as a character is just sort of reaching his full potential, starting with Ragnarok, going through Infinity War and Endgame. You know, that those were really the best Thor movies that we got. And um, yeah, I think Chris, Chris Hemsworth has a lot more to bring to that character and that Thor has a lot more to bring to the MCU. And I'm also glad to hear this because the one thing when they had that big announcement, remember last year of all these movies that were coming blade with Mahershala Ali and like all the MCU shows, like when that happened, the one glaring omission in that was an Avengers movie. Yes. You know, there there was no here's where Avengers 5 goes in, you know. There was like there was no slot for that. So I don't feel like the MCU can like you said get by with a bunch of origin films and sequels for too long without having like a big group film. So maybe Thor Love and Thunder will be that big. Maybe it will be like an Avengers 4.5 or something like that in the same yeah. way that Civil War was basically an Avengers movie. I like that. I like that. And, you know, they have to, they have to build whoever the big bad is. They they can't just... Uh, right. Uh, I don't know. You, the stakes have to be so high, but the, those new stakes have to be crescendoed into the right way. So I, exactly. I really think with the with the rewrite, basically, uh, of Thor's character, the redirect and Thor Ragnarok, I'm sure it gave Chris Hemsworth the charge that he needed uh, as an actor and as an actor in this franchise to really say, I'm in. Sign me up for 10 more if this is the direction we go. Um, yeah. And uh, God of Thunder, Love and Thunder is going to be 
Taika Waititi again, correct? It, it sure is. Yeah, well, and then. that's a great call. I mean, I know that Disney likes to, or Kevin Feige likes to switch up the directors between sequels, but they know what they have in Taika Waititi. He's a huge name. He's, you know, him and the Russo brothers and James Gunn are really like, they're big guys who can crank out amazing films. And so I think they need to hold on to Taika and what he was able to unlock in Thor three was like you said, a huge turning point for the character and one that excited a lot of people about Thor. So I think it's good to ride that wave and not really like don't mess with it. <laughs> like just, yep, just right. leave it, just leave it alone. Cause there's nothing wrong there and they can do amazing things still. So, and one last uh, reminder, if you, if Thor is on the bottom of your Avengers list, he probably can't be, but if he is just watch the films, in MCU films in chronological order, uh, mm-hmm. not release date, but chronological timeline order. And you will find that Thor two, uh, is much more enjoyable, uh, on the second watching. It's still, it's still their worst. It's it's honestly still their worst, but it's it's not nearly as bad as it felt when you sat in the theater way back when. So yeah, I there. I agree, I agree, and and it was good that they brought it into Endgame because I think there needed to be some resolution to what they set up there because a lot of it just frankly didn't make sense. But then it came full circle, and Thor's arc by the end of Endgame is just like. Chef's kiss, so good, so so deep, like so amazing. So, yes, I agree. Lightning eyes, can you CGI the lightning eyes on me, please? Please. Um, not tonight. I don't have time. <laughs> I'm gonna make <laughs> the Thor face. That. <sighs> in in I don't the think future, he ever Kirk. Makes that. Yes. <laughs> no, he's never made that face. I don't think. <laughs> okay. Last bit of news. Last, what's popping? And it's more of a PSA, really. And like a finally, like a real finally, not like a Pink Panther finally. HBO Max is finally on Amazon Fire TV. And according to The Desk, which is an outlet I have not heard of before, but there are rumblings that AT&T and Roku are close to an agreement as well that would bring HBO Max to Roku. Mm-hmm. So, and yeah. just a reminder, the way that these deals work, like my understanding of it is that um, they already like HBO Max already has these apps built out for these platforms. So, like as soon as the deal gets pinned, it's like boom, it's on the platform the next day. Like that's what happened yeah. with Amazon Fire TV, um, and so I think that will be a similar case with Roku. And I, I it better freaking come before Wonder Woman, or I'm gonna lose my mind. <laughs> Dude, I've been uh, so I have uh, three or four. I don't know how many TVs are in this house. Um, seven. No, um, I have three or four of the Fire TV sticks, and I have one Apple TV um, unit. And I've been moving that Apple TV unit like <laughs> three to four times a week, depending on where I'm going to watch television that night. Trying to get HBO on, where I'm currently binging the newsroom, and it's like, come on. Come on. So, the, but the problem, the problem is, is that um, hypothetically, if you didn't actually own the subscription to your HBO Max, hypothetically, you yes, can't actually um, watch without signing out and signing back into your entire Amazon mm. Fire unit. I mean, 
that's a that's a big deal. So um, it is uh, a big deal. Uh, whether they fix that or I get another Apple TV for Christmas, I'm ready for <laughs> either solution. They do need to fix that. That's outrageous. And like traditionally, HBO has been <clears throat> slightly more lenient on the password sharing because they have they charge a premium price for their platform. So I feel like. They need to get that figured out because it's kind of a nightmare. And also, like like you said, you have like five streaming devices in your home. Like I have iPad, iPhone, computer, you know, you know what I mean? Like you could have one family, like truly one family using it and have 13 devices. Correct. So, I mean, like all those Amazon Fire TVs having to sign in every single time is outrageous. Like that is that is way too much. Yep, I uh, I hope they fix it. First Otherwise, world problems. Yes, one hundred percent. But seriously, let's get real. Fix it. Okay, that's all I got for what's popping. That's all we popped it up. It's beautiful, wonderful, pops. nice and concise. I like it. But you know what time that means, Kirk? You know what time it is? What time is it? As they it's say, it's time for our mystery movie review. <gasps> Kirk, are you ready to reve- reveal what we're reviewing? I Let me am see ready. if I have a sound effect for that. Hold on. Okay. Let me see if I have a sound effect. Just press the button and see what happens. Okay, let's try this. That's beautiful. What movie are we reviewing, Kirk? Tell, tell the people. We are reviewing On the Rocks. Was <laughs> 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 that sound effect okay? That's perfect. From Apple TV Plus. Yes. An Apple TV Plus original film called On the Rocks starring Rashida Jones, Bill Murray, Marlon Marlon Wayans, right? That's right. That's right. Is that the right Wayans brother? That's the correct brother. And Jenny Slate's in there a little bit. So (laughs) that's that's what we're working with. Do you want a synopsis? Do you want me to synopsis? Um, Whose turn is it? Do you know? I have no. It's been four month. weeks. I'm. I'm. It's uh, over for me. I'll synopsis. It's very fresh in my brain. I watched yeah. it all the way up until we started recording. Uh, Love I, it. I. Oh, I, I heard something this uh, this past week uh, about procrastination, and I found that uh, speaking of self help, I am a an active procrastinator. So I okay. find that I I prioritize things in a way to put the most important things off at the end because I want to take the most time with them. I push them right up to the deadline because I know the pressure will make me perform better. So here's hoping that reflects in this episode. There uh, you go. Let's on see. The, on the rocks. It is a, a wonderful um, portrait uh, of, a, of a relationship, of a, mar- of a marriage who fall on hard times. They, be- they believe to have been rocked to their core. Uh, there is suspicion of betrayal from the husband's side. And Rashida Jones' father, Bill Murray, tries to take her on a journey of self-discovery and <laughs> and uh, trying to find out uh, through their wonderful detective work if the husband really is cheating or if it's all up, made up in her mind. Right. There you go. That was nice and concise, Kirk. Well done. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, so like we said, this is an Apple TV Plus original. Um, so if you don't have Apple TV Plus, you can get a free trial. Or like Apple was seemingly 
down to like give this out for free. I mean, they, they just like, <laughs> like my subscription was supposed to be up in November and then they were like, you get to have it till February. I was like, okay, I didn't ask for that, but sure. Like that's, <laughs> that's totally fine. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you like wrote them a nice email, they might be like, here's your free year of Apple TV plus. I don't know. I, I mean, they seem like they really want people to have this platform. So there you go. Um, okay, Kirk, let's jump into our superlatives. Let's start with, and the Oscar goes to Kirk. Who are you giving your Oscar to for this film? The man, the myth, the legend, Bill Murray, Mr. William Murray. It's a great <laughs> choice. Dude, I I feel like I know his filmography, but I don't really um, know Bill Murray. Uh, I've I've seen him in dozens of things. He's a superstar. He's large. He's been in so many different um, incredible franchises. When I see him in films like this, akin to um, like Lost in Translation, which was his big breakout, like oh, he can he can dramatically act as well. There are moments in this film that you're just like. I could watch you all day. No matter what he does, I'm always enthralled by him. He's such a pro in front of the camera. Bill Murray wins all day for me. Yeah, I think it's a good call. And and I think as we get closer to award season, I sort of identify that as a performance that could be nominated just because Bill Murray really is always incredible. And I think he does better in, in dramatic roles. The movie you mentioned, Lost in Translation, with him and Scarlett Johansson, fantastic film, also directed by Sofia Coppola, who directed this movie. So they have a a nice history there, and I think she really got the best out of him as well. I went a little bit unorthodox on this one, and and here's what I will say: while I thought that Bill Murray did the best job, I'm actually giving my Oscar to Rashida Jones, who played Laura and who was our leading lady, wow. because. I feel like I have not liked Rashida Jones in many things. I just feel like I like I respect her as an actor, but I have been critical of her in the past and haven't generally liked the roles that she picked, but or was chosen for, I should say. I, I just felt like this character and, and and it goes with the way that Sofia Coppola wrote this character as well, but it was very well suited for Rashida Jones, and I thought that she really performed incredibly well, and and frankly much better than I anticipated because it's just one of those things where I have like a mental block where I'm like ah, I don't usually like Rashida Jones and things, but in this I really liked her and I thought she did a great job, and I think that. I don't have anything against Rashida Jones other than the characters that she plays I usually don't really like, and so I'm not drawn to their performance. But she did an incredible job of playing a mother of toddlers in this movie. I thought that that was, like, really realistic and, like, showing what, like, and being a wife and just, like, the realism in her performance I thought was really stellar. I thought it was it felt very authentic. So I have to give her kudos because I was I was surprised. Yeah, Rashida Jones. She's an interesting, uh, uh, interesting actor. She uh, is Quincy Jones' daughter, famous musician right. producer. And it doesn't it doesn't make sense sometimes the roles that she gets cast in. Um, she is. I, I, agree. I feel that she's often miscast. I, I yes, I that's heard her it. On uh, Conan O'Brien's podcast, 
And she was hilarious. She was very funny. She was very poised. And seeing that side of her pointed against the roles that she takes on, it's like, wait, do do something closer to that. That's your wheelhouse. So miscast. I know they always nice. cast her as the straight man. Not the yeah. straight man, the straight woman in like comedies. And I, I don't feel like that plays because she had that show that was sort of like an absurdist comedy that was on um what was it called? Amy Tribeca or something like that? Mm-hmm. What was that uh, show An- called? Angie Tribeca? Angie Tribeca, yeah. Yep. And that was like really absurd. She really excelled in that show. I only saw a couple of episodes, but I thought she was very good. So I think that's what it is. Like I don't have a problem with her as an artist. I just think that the roles that she ends up in are always odd choices and don't really suit her strengths. This one, I still feel like she was sort of typecast, but in a way that like felt very natural for her. Mm-hmm. Like it felt, it felt more real this time. And I didn't feel like she was trying too hard to be funny for a character that just like, wasn't that funny. Like it just, I don't know. She stayed in her zone and built a character of her own. That was very authentic. So great. Kudos. Kudos to her. All right, let's move on to Scene Stealer, Kirk. Who have you got there? This one was hard because I really just want to give everything to Bill Murray uh, because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's just the best. He is the best. Uh, I'll say, you know, I I think the only other thing I've seen Marlon Wayans in might have been the, the scary movie franchise uh, films. Uh-huh. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which he's great. He's did a great job in this. I'm going to go Mr. Marlon Wayans uh, for Scene Stealer. He uh, he was very charismatic. Um, he was uh, very well poised, believable. The only thing that was his shortcoming, which was not his fault at all, they the the dialogue that he had was often just very flat. Uh, that he was yeah. just almost like marking time. Like, well, <laughs> gotta get those ROIs up. You get you check out the followers. <laughs> Oh, I know, dude. It was bad. It was really bad. Like, oh yes, my account manager. Like everything was trying to mark time for twenty between twenty eighteen and now. Um, and I, I despised it. But he was really working overtime trying to make it work. And I think I think he did. And I was I was happy every time he came back on screen. Yeah, it it was like they and, and Sofia Coppola wrote this movie, but it was like hire a consultant or something for that. I mean, like he's a businessman. It's, it's not really clear what he does at not all. Like no. at one point they're like, they, they mention a 24 in the movie and a 24 is the, is the studio that like the indie film studio that fronted this thing. And so I was like, okay, so is that like meta or is that like some, is that some like, made up company that you're calling a 24 is like a Easter egg. Like what is happening? And yeah, they have this really painful conversation in a taxi where he's like, man, things are going so great. The ROIs, the return on investments are so great. The impressions, man, you should see. I'm like, Oh my gosh, dude. Poor it's like somebody Coppola. opened Investopedia for like 10 minutes and then wrote a script. <laughs> Sophia Coppola, like what's so funny is because like you and I are very close to that world and that jargon. So to hear it used so in such a weak manner, it's yeah. like, what are you doing? You're like, stop. I mean, yeah. There's so many other industries and verticals that are like that. But specifically it hit home for, for you and I clearly. 
And I just, it had no direction, no motivation, no intent behind him speaking those. And I just, big, big miss right there on the screenwriters. Yeah, and actually, like, Sofia Coppola, um, let's just go into Showstopper and I'll kick us off because um, I actually put the dialogue down as my Showstopper because I felt like the conversations between Bill Murray and Rashida Jones' characters were incredible and the, the way that they... And, and I don't know if it was um, in the screenplay or not, but the way that it was paced out, the way that it was marked out, like felt very real. And that's dialogue is such an incredibly hard thing to do. Even really good writers struggle with it from time to time. And so I really do feel like the Marlon Wayans like business stuff was the black spot on the dialogue and that otherwise it was very good. And like for the, for the like plot driving, theme driving dialogue um, between Rashida Jones and Bill Murray, it was really strong. And so for me, like that relationship that they built, and I mean, I suspect some of it was improv too, but I just thought the dialogue overall, whether it was in the screenplay or it was improv, um, was done very well for the most part. So that's my showstopper. Great. I imagine that the Bill Murray Rashida Jones scenes were elevated because. Bill Murray is an excellent comedian. He's in just a when you're a comedian, you're a natural writer because you know how to tell uh-huh. a story, right? And Rashida Jones has a bunch of writing credits. She has documentary creds. She was a yeah. was a writer on Toy Story Four, you know. So she's. I think that when they're in a scene together, it's a good pairing, and I can see why they were probably cast together because of that. So uh, agreed. Great, uh, great showstopper. Mine is going to be how well they expressed the mundane world of Rashida Jones nailed it. There is probably a a five minute straight section near the beginning of this film where we are just walking through just everyday life. And I've often said, I've often said, I want, I want someone to make a movie where literally nothing happens. And I did, I had no idea Sofia Coppola was going to be the one who did partial (laughs) uh, of that dream of mine because like, Rashida Jones is washing the dishes. She takes her kid to school. Completely uneventful things that happen. um, She's sitting at her desk. She's sitting at her desk and she's like organizing for like two and a half of those five minutes. I'm like, this is great. (laughs) Keep going. And, And obviously it had to stop. It's not core to the point of this movie. But how mundane the movie was and and those those completely. Uh, just ridiculous, uh, ridiculously boring moments. They made interesting. So bravo, big showstopper for me. Yeah, that's a good one. I think I think that is that is a worthwhile observation because they almost like there's this scene where um, Rashida Jones like lays in the bed and she you know she's got her toddler there with her and she's just like found something that leads her to believe that her husband is having an affair and like in comes the Roomba robot, like the robot vacuum rolls in and the camera like pans down, zooms in on the Roomba. The Roomba like clumsily hits into the wall and then hits into the wall again and drives off. And it's like, I often find that that's a really funny observation about life is like when you and your spouse or like you and your parents or somebody close to you are having like a really serious conversation but like life continues to go on around you. Like yep. your kid runs through the room naked or like, you know, like that, like that, that stuff is 
so real and very hard to capture, but I think she did a great job. Sofia Coppola did a great job of capturing that as a director of this film. Absolutely. Um, good, good, good um, unlock there. Okay. Last one. Director shoes. Let's see what notes we have for Miss Coppola. Here, here's mine. I mean, I'm going to keep it simple. And, and it's just that this movie was really just kind of half baked. I, I think there was something there. I think there was the, the start of a concept and the start of a theme, but everything stopped just short of coming full circle. The plot of the movie doesn't end up really providing any good resolution. The relationships feel inconsequential. The themes that get built are um, expected, so not surprising and not finished, you know, by the time the movie ends. It's just like, it's predictable. It's just not original. I mean, it's not, not, I don't want to say not original, but it's not innovative or inventive. And it just doesn't really, at the end of the day, you're like, why was this piece of art put out into the world? Certainly it had good parts that were, you know, interesting enough to watch, but what did it really do? You know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like what was the point? And, um, sometimes the point is that there isn't a point, but it was was clear that there was supposed to be some sort of theme that was followed through here and it didn't get there. It didn't cross the finish line. So that that's really where I'm left. And I'm like, this thing just needed more time to cook. Beautifully said it really did. Um, my showstopper is also my director's shoes because they, the whole feeling of the movie was mundane. Um, I found myself picking up my computer and just scrolling. Um, we got family pictures taken and they, they arrived and I was like, Oh, I can look at this while I watch the rest of this movie. Nothing's (laughs) really happening. Okay. (laughs) Which was good. It was productive in that sense. But I, I found that you still had to be creative with those mundane moments or, find the the catalyst to really trigger what goes from mundane to really the life back uh in rashida jones um, yeah i i think that, that that's a missed opportunity which is kind of shocking for someone who's been in the business their entire life sofia coppola to to see that she should have had like a, a perfect blueprint in her mind mapped out and should have been able to to work with uh, the whole, the entire structure, the entire production of from lighting to costuming. And you see a little bit of it, especially with costuming and makeup. And it's like, ah, you could have done better. You could have done better. So yeah, they, they, they missed the mark. They did. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, good call. So let's move on to overall thoughts and scores. Um, for me, I think technically the movie is, is fine. I, you're frozen. Oh, I was frozen. I'm sorry. Oh, you were. You're back. You're back. Yeah, I could hear you. I could hear like a weird like boo boo. Like it sounded like I was in a spaceship. So I don't oh, know what happened nice. there. <laughs> but anyway, for those of you not watching on video, Kirk was frozen for a bit, and I was probably frozen to him. But anyway, anywho, um, yeah, I just felt like maybe this movie is like more meaningful to Sofia Coppola herself, but it almost felt like we just like weren't in on it and that like ultimately it ultimately it didn't end up being as profound or as like 
impactful as it was meant to be. And so I think that sometimes you have an idea and you just get obsessed with the idea and it doesn't actually, like, it's not as good of an idea as you thought. And that's almost what this feels like to me. It's like, maybe, maybe she just like, this means something really profound to her, but not to everybody else. I don't know. Um, so for me, I think the movie is technically fine. I, th I don't have a ton of qualms with it. I thought there was some good acting. I thought there was some good writing from time to time, but it just it isn't enough to make a worthwhile lasting impact or tell a complete story with nice rounded out themes. And so for me, it's a 6.3 out of 10 kernels. That's very nice of you. <laughs> You're up, Kirk. <laughs> I'm feeling generous. It's Thanksgiving, for God's sake. Oh, man. Well, that's not... You know, Colonel scores don't take a break, Cam, <laughs> just because it's Thanksgiving. <laughs> don't... All right, what you got? Don't place your, your judgment uh, on this because you just watched it. What if you watched it um, in award season, you know? So, <laughs> I think that it was a, ge a generally good idea that really could have been a little bit more artsy. It had the opportunity to, it had the right cinematography to do so, had the right color filter, all, all that, and it, it, it really just missed the mark for me. It was, it was brutal. It was brutal to watch. But because it was a pretty movie, it was pretty, um, the, the color palette was was brilliantly done. I don't know who was responsible for that, but bravo. Um, I, w I don't have the attention to watch this again, but I could sit in the room of someone watching this for the first time <laughs> and laugh every time Bill Murray is on the screen. So I'm going to give this a 4.7 out of 10 kernels. Dude, you know what's hilarious? What? I never did my scene stealer. Did I do mine? You did. You did. You did Marlon Wayans. I did, and I just like built on that, and then went straight into Showstopper. <laughs> <laughs> like looking what? at my notes, I'm like, man, I never talked about Jenny Slate. Jenny oh, Slate was my scene stealer, by the oh, way. We've already passed that point of this program, Cam. We cannot go back. I'm sorry. Anyway, I'm all right. Sorry, Jenny, Jenny Slate was my scene stealer. She was really good. You. I thought she was funny for no, like. She only got to talk for like 30 seconds total in this movie, but it was hilarious because she's funny. She was very funny. Wow, that was really rude. Well, it was rude of you to betray the structure that we have built. I didn't get to say it. I didn't get to say my piece, and you didn't catch it either. So, Well, Kim, whose fault is that? You have to stand your ground. You, should, you know what you should have been doing? You should, <laughs> should have been exercising your... And my scene stealer today... <laughs> Well, I got carried away. I got carried away. Forgive me for being passionate about what we do, Kirk. Jeez. Well, well now I feel bad. That's what you get. That's what you get. And it's I'm, Thanksgiving, Kirk. How dare you? Come here. Give me a hug. No. No. You can Let's, see that I'm you know what? Actually, in my pajamas. Now is, the <laughs> <laughs> now is the right time for us to argue about um, Thanksgiving sides. Are you ready for this? Yeah, let's fight some more. I love it. All right. Right now, what we are about to do... Let me fill you in. For our game slash schoolyard pick this year, or this, <laughs> this year, geez, um, this week, we are doing a bracket. You know I love brackets. Man, do I love a good bracket. But we're doing a bracket about Thanksgiving sides. Because hot take, 
turkey sucks. Okay, it's just it's just it's just fine. It's not like it's not like really good. Like let's not pretend that everybody wouldn't be way happier if we were all eating fried chicken on Thursday. All right, fair. Than eating. That's fair. Yeah, right. You know what I'm saying? Like turkey's fine, but it's not like it's not like a reason for a holiday. <laughs> like we shouldn't all like stop what we're doing to eat turkey. Like it's it's fine anyway. The sides are the real deal. The sides and the desserts, okay? But today we're talking sides because there are a crap load of different sides that show up at Thanksgiving, and so we are going to pit them against each other in a fight to the death to determine what our favorite Thanksgiving sides are. Are you ready, Kirk? I'm ready. All right, I've crafted a bracket by looking at quite a few different brackets across the internet while also thinking about things that are served at, like, our family Thanksgiving and people that I know Thanksgiving. So people will be like, what are some of these things? Other people will be like, oh, how could you not have this? Listen, it's not a perfect science. Because mm-hmm. the thing is, not very many people have 16 different sides at their Thanksgiving. So it was really hard to build a bracket of 16 different sides. But here we are. I don't okay? know, man. We, we have a lot of sides at our Thanksgiving. <laughs> we do have a lot of sides, but it's not like, I don't think it's 16. I don't know. We'll count. We'll count on Thursday. We'll see how many there are. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Round one, battle one. And this is, I mean, this should be a no-brainer. Mashed potatoes versus fruit salad. I mean, that's a joke. Weak sauce. I mean, sorry, fruit. Like, fruit's fine, but that, like, mashed potatoes is the goat. It's, like, one Something- of the best. Yeah, something that the listeners can't obviously see is that you've actually you've actually seeded each of the foods, each of the I sides. Have. And mashed potatoes is number one and fruit salad is sixteen. <laughs> it is. And that's not based on any science. That was totally objective and me just kinda like feeling it out. Like what do people like and what do people not like? And I can tell you right now, if you put turkey and 16 sides on uh, like a buffet and had people walk through and fruit salad was on that buffet, no one is leaving the first trip with fruit salad on there, period. There is not one person who's doing it when there are mashed potatoes, dinner rolls, you know, casseroles, deviled eggs, stuffing. Like there's no way. There's no way. If they do, I am suspicious of that person, you know. You should be. Dr. They're Phil probably out, a communist. Absolutely. Dr. Phil came out years ago with the criteria, uh, proven criteria for a serial killer. Uh, one was wetting the bed. Um, uh-oh. Uh, that's me. So the yeah. next one is fruit salad on your plate uh, the first trip from the Thanksgiving bar. So that's that's just scary in my it opinion. Is. It is scary. It is. I, should have even, I shouldn't have even put it on here because if somebody would have chosen it, that's an indictment on their character. Are you going to share this to everyone? all of our fans probably yeah i'll share it tomorrow perfect so if you put fruit salad um we will judge you just yes hard horde okay matchup number two green bean casserole versus cranberry sauce what's your take kirk (sighs) i'm not a big casserole guy um i would if i had to stomach it i would go for cranberry sauce it's also left off the plate in my my dinner um sometimes it accidentally gets on like i don't know how maybe there's like some other kind of dessert or something but cranberry sauce wins this one for me 
I'm going to go the other side. I don't think I ever pick up the cranberry sauce. And I, I, I would definitely do the green bean casserole. I know that it's not like... I, I've seen memes where people are like, whoever brings the green bean casserole sucks. <laughs> I don't think it said exactly that, but you get the idea. Um, so, but no, I'm going to defend green bean casserole. I'm down for it. I'm down for it. Um, good luck. Good luck to your stomach. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Okay, next up. Cornbread versus broccoli rice casserole. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't even know what broccoli rice casserole is. We have it every year, and I've never eaten it. I've never Bro. eaten it, not one time. I just said I'm not a big casserole guy, but that thing is a beautiful work of art. It's really. It, it's um, uh, if you're, if you're um, what's the word? If you're um, bad with textures when you eat. Oh me, yes. Me too. And so, but it's it's uh, it's very satisfying. It's very satisfying. Broccoli rice casserole wins in my book. Wins over cornbread. Dude, I gotta say. I don't like super dry things and cornbread to me. Oh man. It's, it's too dry for me. But cornbread. My, oh, I don't my know Irish work. glands cannot take it. They cannot, <laughs> they cannot digest it. Don't blame your genetics on this. I I'm, must. Taking corn, I'm taking cornbread. That's a, that's an easy <laughs> one for me. Um, okay. Next one. You'll have to help me with this, Kirk. Okay, so this one, dinner rolls versus deviled eggs. Yes. Do other people have deviled eggs at Thanksgiving, or is that just a, is that just a my family thing? No, uh, on my side of the family, uh, they have it as well. Okay, cool, because I didn't see it on any brackets, and I was like, man, we always have deviled eggs. I feel like that's like a thing. Yeah, is that like a Midwestern thing? Or Maybe does it, it is. I don't know. Maybe. Any of our listeners in other places hit us up. We need to know, because I don't want to be like, I don't want to like indict myself by putting that out there. Mm. Anyway, yeah, no. dinner rolls versus deviled eggs. What's your take? Uh, I'm. I've realized I'm being extremely contradictory from one option to the next, but I got to go dinner rolls <laughs> because. Well, see, but you said dryness, but like dinner rolls come with butter. They you know come with butter. They're a little bit uh, more <clears throat> moist than the definitely more moist than the cornbread. So that's that's how my dare name. you speak that word that everyone hates i actually don't have a problem with that word i feel like that's just like a thing that came from how i met your mother and then everybody was like yeah i don't like that word but i don't have a problem with it it's fine say so i can say it on repeat yeah it doesn't bother me i mean it probably might be bad to listen to you just in general saying moist (laughs) over and over again but (laughs) um i'm gonna go dinner rolls obviously i mean i know there are lots of people who are like big on deviled eggs and that's fine but good old-fashioned dinner rolls, like, don't overcomplicate it. They're yummy. You slap some butter on there, amazing. They're warm. Man, when you, like, when you like unfurl that, like, they're put in a basket and you, like, take off the little, like, napkin, like, cloth napkin that's keeping them warm and there's just, like, heat coming off there, man, that's, that's it. That's it for me. That's Thanksgiving right there. All right, next one. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Stuffing versus scalloped potatoes. What you got? Dude, this one's hard because I am only a, uh, I've only been really eating stuffing consistently um, for, I would say, the past five years. I think I was afraid of it, um, but I've always eaten scalloped potatoes because, again, my Irishness requires it. If there are wow. potatoes on the table, 
I must eat it. So, I'm going to go with scalloped, scalloped potatoes. potatoes. Wow, with the upset. I'm surprised by this. For Gotta me, go. it's stuffing, and it's not even close. I mean, stuffing, <laughs> I love stuffing. I think it's so great. And I think it gets an extra edge because you just don't eat it really any other time. True. That's very true. I would say um, scalloped potatoes come only into play in um, uh, family reunions, Christmas, mm, yes. Thanksgiving. But, they ha- but I mean, stuffing does not happen any other time. You're absolutely right. Stuffing is, yeah, stuffing is a one-shotter. You could see a scalloped yeah. potato dish at a um, like a pot roast or potluck. Not a pot yep. roast. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> like any luck. sort of like church lady... Any sort of like church lady eating out of big aluminum tin things. Yes. Um, scalloped yep. potatoes are going to be there. That's a guarantee. Yep, 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 yep. It's like potatoes. that and um, <clears throat> that like mac and cheese thing that's like breaded. You know what I'm saying? Where you like. Yes. It's like a mac and cheese casserole or like baked mac and cheese or something like that. Like baked those are both guaranteed. Those are both mm-hmm. guaranteed there. Okay, next one. I know you're a big veggies guy, so that's probably going to come out at some point. Oh, yeah. Sweet potato casserole versus corn. And this to, to to stipulate here, because I know that there you can have sweet potato casserole with little marshmallows in it or without marshmallows. This could be either. So you could do either variant here. Isn't that a fascinating dish? It, sweet potato casserole? Yeah. It's got the corn flakes on it. Yeah. That someone at some point said, you know what would go really good with this? <laughs> Let's throw in some marshmallows. Well, it's sweet potatoes, though. I mean, it's sweet. I don't, I don't get that. I'm going corn. I love vegetables. And there's something, I don't know if it's made differently. Um, maybe because it's probably real and not a frozen bag <laughs> on Thanksgiving. You're trying to class it up a bit more. You have more time because you're cooking all well, the Well, it's still things. probably like out of a can, though. I don't think anybody's like shucking it. Right? There's something different about Thanksgiving corn, and I need to ask what that is, why it tastes Here's a what you do. You take the full stick of butter. Whenever you put the corn in the microwave, you take a full stick of butter on Thanksgiving. It's like <laughs> YOLO. You just put the whole thing on there and press press the express express cook. And it's oh, on. I love it. Uh, I think that's I the key. That. Um, I'm taking sweet potato casserole, Kirk. I feel like we've been on opposite ends of the spectrum all night, but I'm going sweet potato casserole. Let me tell you, it, it took me a while to come around on sweet potatoes, but I'm, I'm all in on sweet potato anything. Sweet potato fries, that's really it. <laughs> sweet potato fries. <laughs> Sweet potato casserole, that's the end of the list. I don't know if there are other things other than just like straight sweet potatoes, but I'm I'm here for it. I've had like I've had whipped sweet potatoes before that are like mashed potatoes, but they're sweet potatoes. I like all of it. I I, I like it. It's just good. Well, I'm just the I'm just a purist. I just have to have my my potatoes. Yeah, you could have you could have had um Thanksgiving with the pilgrims, I think. I could have. At yes. Plymouth Rock. Yeah. Absolutely, they would have welcomed me. Uh, yes, you you would have liked you would have liked the the fair there. Some corn, mm-hmm. some uh, I don't maize. think they broccoli rice uh, casserole at that but, point, right? Yeah, yeah. I think you would have fit right in. Scalloped potatoes, you know. Mm-hmm. Okay, next one. And I have a bone to pick with this one too, to be honest. Okay, mac and cheese versus candied yams. Mm. That's no I'm contest. just gonna say it's mac and cheese. 
That's it. That's the only answer. Right. That's the end of the. That's the end of the discussion. That's um, as suspect as if you know the fruit salad discussion. If you picked candy DMs, uh, I I don't know that I could sit next to you. No. And, and here's the thing. And this is what makes me. I I went back and forth about including mac and cheese because let's face it. Mac and cheese is an elite side. Mm. It might be the chief lord of all sides, just in general. Not yeah. not not even just thinking through the lens of Thanksgiving. I mean, mac and cheese is elite. Okay, but but I don't feel like we usually have it at Thanksgiving, and so and I also don't. It's definitely not like a Thanksgiving only thing. In fact, I more closely associate mac and cheese with Fourth of July. Actually, ah, okay. So uh, that's where it gets tough for me. I think in the later rounds we might see some difficulties with the mac and cheese. So mm, that's that's a good call out. That's a good call out. Uh, as mac and cheese is my son's favorite food. Uh, yeah, sure. He has it for meals many times a week, and so I will use it as my side. So Aubrey has created the this beautiful oven baked um, seasoned chicken uh, tenderloin and 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 whatever uh, potatoes and green beans and then i'll throw on some mac and cheese on the side of that yes. it's, it's a wonderful palette it's just very full it's very full yeah lots of different lots of different things going on there i like mm. it that's my okay last one. one in the first round last one in the first round gravy versus green beans Dude. And yes, for all of you who are yelling at your sets, gravy is its own side. Because gravy is not just an addition to mashed potatoes. It can be an addition to pretty much anything. Mm-hmm. You can dip yes. your turkey in it. You can dip anything in it. Your, you could dip your dinner roll in it. Sure. You can, for the weirdos, you can dip your fruit salad in it if you so choose. Yeah, if you want to get wild, I mean, let's get nuts. It's Thanksgiving. This one was really tough for me. Okay. I just want to say that I'm a little mad that this pairing happened mm, the way it I'm did. I'm sorry. Because You'll have to talk to the committee about that. I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know who they are, but I, I, yeah, that's a bone to pick with them. Yeah, because I I love both of these. So what's your – you pick first. I'm not, I'm not done deciding. You pick first. I chose green beans. I chose green beans. I just – I don't like gravy because it gets everywhere, all over my plate. I don't want it all over my other foods. I want, and I can eat mashed potatoes without the gravy. I don't need it. So, mm-hmm. for me, it's got to be green beans. I, it's my favorite vegetable. Are they vegetables? Are they legumes? What how's that? I don't vegetables. know. Vegetables. Well, let's just call it a veggie. It's my favorite veggie, green beans. So I'm going with them. I will say. That I also chose green beans, and I'm okay. going to stick with it. Uh, I have it written down here as proof. I'm not writing anything at this moment. And even though gravy is delightful and it enhances everything, um, and I agree that it is its own side, green beans wins for me too. Okay. Wow. All right, we made it through round one. Let's fire through the last. The let's get to a winner here. Let's let's go through it. So my first matchup is mashed potatoes versus green bean casserole. And I'm going mashed potatoes. What about you, Kirk? Same thing. Mashed potatoes and cranberry sauce. Mashed potato wins. Yeah. Um, next for me is cornbread versus dinner rolls. And I'm going with dinner rolls. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, broccoli rice casserole versus dinner rolls. Dinner rolls wins for me. All right. So we've got the same one one and two there in that, in that section. 
Yes. Next up for me, I got stuffing versus sweet potato casserole, and I'm taking stuffing. Oh, I've got scalloped potatoes and corn. I'm going with the corn, Cam. Corn. All right. This is where it gets tricky. I've got mac and cheese versus green beans. I believe you have the same matchup. Exactly. It's This is so hard because I just don't associate mac and cheese with Thanksgiving. And so for me, I'm like, yes, mac and cheese is delicious. How could I not choose that? But at the same time, the, the category is Thanksgiving sides. And that is just not my truth. It doesn't, I'm not, I wouldn't be living my truth if I, if I chose that. Speaking so truth. I'm, I'm choosing green beans. I'm choosing green beans. I as well. Wow. Big upset there, I feel like. People are going to be mad about that. But listen, if you have mac and cheese on your Thanksgiving, that's fine. That's, that's between you and the Lord, okay? You can have that, and, and it's fine. But that's just not my Thanksgiving, all right? Mm-hmm. And, that's, and that's fine to each their own. We still accept you. Um, we just don't agree with you. That's right. All right, here we go. <laughs> Last, here's the semifinals here. You and I both have mashed potatoes versus dinner rolls. Yes. And this is incredibly tough. Incredibly tough. Yes, this is seed <laughs> seat one, seat five, uh, four for these uh, layouts. Yes. Here. Yeah. One being the mashed potatoes. <clears throat> What's your pick, mama. Kirk? Mashed potatoes oh i thought you might i thought you might i gotta go dinner rolls Kirk. Oh, i, got, I gotta go dinner and i love mashed potatoes i really do but i think i gotta go dinner rolls wow just speaking to me just speaking to me right now wow if i ask myself what am i more excited for on thursday it comes down to the dinner rolls between those two I am often the last one through the Thanksgiving line um, in, mm. on both sides of the family because my potato consumption is obnoxious. And I made that clear because I know myself. And I say, listen, everyone else go. I will grab Good all the remaining mashed potatoes after, yes. after you have all enjoyed part of it. Um, so I just want to put that on the table. Mashed potatoes is love. And I love mashed potatoes. <laughs> All right, man. Just, yeah, I love it. Good self-awareness there. I really like that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, okay. Now I've got stuffing versus green beans. You've got corn versus green beans? I do, yes. Okay. I'm going with stuffing. Holy moly. I'm going with stuffing. Wow. And I have zero regrets about that. I think that it was time it was time for green beans to leave the table. It made a great run, but it's oh. over. Well, on my table, Cam, it's still on. I'm going green beans beats out. Whoa. All right. All right. So then we've got the finals. We've got the finals here on on my end and on your end. Kirk's frozen. Kirk, can you hear me? Hold on. Can you hear me, Kirk? You're frozen. We're back. You're back. All right. All right. We're back. We better finish this episode before Skype <laughs> sabotages us any farther. Okay. Here we go. We've got. I wonder if the people can hear that. Like, 
that'll be fun to see if they can hear the like <laughs> the spaceship noises. They can definitely hear my panicking every time it freezes, but that's <laughs> that's you know not as fun. Okay, finals on your end. If I remember correctly, you've got mashed potatoes versus green beans. I on do. my end, I've got dinner rolls versus stuffing. You do. Who wants to go first? You want me to go first? Go ahead, Kim. All right. I'm going to say what I picked, and I'm going to say my logic behind it. <laughs> I'm choosing stuffing, and that is because it is delicious. It is truly a Thanksgiving thing. When people think of Thanksgiving, they think about the turkey, yes, but right right next in line, I think, is the stuffing, you know? And I think... That's not the only deciding factor, but it is a big one for me. And so the fact that it is extremely delicious and also really unique to Thanksgiving, it has to be the winner for me. It's, it's stuffing all the way. That's fair. That's fair. Um, it's wrong, but it's fair. Mine. Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. All right, Kirk. I see you. My final pick, no contest. It had it from the start. It won before this bracket began. <laughs> <laughs> mashed potatoes yeah the winner for for now and for always in your heart kirk is mashed potatoes well that's oh. that's great i know, it's you know like, shout out to green beans who made a really nice yeah. cinderella story kind of run in both of our brackets so <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's uh it's you know it's the underdog everybody wanted the underdog to win but it's at the end of the day it's the one and two seeds that come out on top mashed potatoes and stuffing it just it it's just how it had to be. Just like that. It's eleven forty five right now, and I wish that I could go upstairs and make some mashed potatoes. I would just no, be... no one's stopping you. <laughs> no one yeah, that's a that's what we would call a limiting belief. You're thinking to yourself right now, it's eleven forty five. I can't make mashed potatoes. Yes, you can. Who say who says you can't? No one. No one says oh. you can't. So just live your truth, Kirk. If, you, I, if if mashed potatoes are in your future, then so be it. Go go with peace, my friend. I love it. All right. That's all we got. That was a truly preposterous episode. Um, <laughs> but it was good. It was a Thanksgiving special. On the Rocks is like vaguely a Thanksgiving movie in the sense that like it's a dad and mom or, or dad and his daughter having like a family moment. I don't know. It's it's a reach, but that's what we picked, okay? It's slim pickings. Um, yeah, I've got no real updates for you other than check this out, Kirk. I was writing, finally writing the blog for, um, the deer, the deer, the deer hunter <laughs> after all these weeks, it's literally been two months. I finally started writing it. I closed my laptop because WordPress always saves drafts. I was 70% of the way through it. It's gone. It's, it's completely gone. Yeah. Nothing. I'm speechless. And so I'm like, I can't, I used to write them in word first for exactly this reason. And I didn't because they did such a good job with saving drafts. And now I hate everything, man. All right. Well, so that blog will be coming at some point and I'm going to in 2021. We will see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We'll finally get my thoughts on the deer hunter in 2021. Week but, four. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's week. Eight. It's week eight. You jerk. <laughs> It's week Listen. eight, but it's month six or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> Listen, I have no stones to throw. Uh, James Blonde, 
is still in the works. Yeah, James Bond is still not a thing. These will be the things that we always talk about but never actually happen. But for real, I'm committing myself back to the 52-week movie challenge. I've had a rough go. Once I get this Deer Hunter one out the door, even though WordPress is sabotaging me right now, I'm going to be cranking them out, all right? I'm going to be cranking them out. So just stay tuned for that. Um, the website, popcorn4breakfast.com, is up to date with all of our latest episodes, videos. I did that earlier this week. So all of our stuff is there. Um, check us out on social. We need we need you guys. We, we love you guys. And we know that the internet is boring and negative sometimes, but we are not. We're no. fun. Um, and... Because there's like no movie news, I feel like we never talk to you guys anymore. And it makes me sad because we don't have as many movies and we don't have as many episodes, but we miss you and we want to talk to you. So check us out on social. Other than that, Kirk, I've not got anything else. Do you have any other any other announcements for us? I've got nothing. Uh, literally okay. nothing. And I, I hope that changes. I'm excited to catch up on all of these things I haven't been able to watch. Had a very busy schedule. Um, yeah, buddy. But That's I'm, all right. I'm excited to to really get some downtime on Thursday. Yeah. Yes, sir. That's right. Have a wonderful, magnificent Thanksgiving, everyone. Hopefully, you have found a way to still connect with your family in a safe way, even though COVID sucks and is ruining everything all over the place. We wish you the best on your Thanksgiving. We are thankful for all of you and your contributions to this podcast. And... Um, we're thankful for our executive producer, Ryan Spriggs, who helps us produce this podcast. And we are thankful for Rhetoric, who made our original theme music. Mm. We will talk to you guys in a couple of weeks. Goodbye. Goodbye.